0: in the air. Brito back at the wall. Adios, Pelota! That's the type of manager that I'd like to be, which is the same every day. They know what they're gonna get. They're gonna get energy, they're gonna get accountability, they're gonna get structure, and they're gonna get support. And I'm gonna bring those things to the dugout in the clubhouse regularly. It takes hard work uh, and it takes humility, taking one step forward at a time, making one good baseball move after another. And I really feel like that's how we're gonna get where we hope and intend to go. You're listening to Bags and Brisby on Athletic Podcast Network. Welcome to episode 51 of the Bags and Brisby podcast. I am Grant Brisby. I am here with Andy Baggerly, and we are going to be talking about current events and baseball suspending operations indefinitely. That's the report from Jeff Passan and Ken Rosenthal that... Spring training is going to be shut down, effective on Friday. And Andy, you're in Arizona right now. What in the heck's going on?
1: Yeah, it's I mean this is really unprecedented times for us, the something that we haven't lived through in, in our lifetime where things would just shut down and, and I think we're all kind of realizing moment to moment that all of this is you know a bigger deal than, than maybe we thought initially and people are kind of understanding hey, you know, this is for the greater good of trying to, I guess the the term is flatten the curve, right? Try to Mm -hmm. keep this as tamped down as possible. And any public gathering is going to be counterintuitive to that. So, you know, I'm sure that the league was trying to hold out because they do have a couple weeks before opening day to, to see you know, just what the situation is going to be then. But, you know, with everybody else canceling events and it, it, it certainly does seem like the right thing to do. And it's a, really it's only a matter of time with as many baseball players as there are and as many, you know, they live lives. They go in the outside world. It's only a matter of time before somebody tests positive for the coronavirus and the whole team has to go in quarantine. And then how does that team play a game? You know, it's uh, um, it's pretty obvious where this was going to head um here today and um yeah the Giants it's kind of strange you know they were off today they're like scheduled off and uh so there, there's no one at their uh campus today um to, to really get any kind of reaction but yeah it's it, we're all sort of living minute to minute here to see what's what's going to happen and how what the impacts are going to be but for now you know I think uh I think we kind of expected the news today to to be what it
0: is. And it, it, I don't know, if you're listening to this and, and perhaps you've, you've sort of ignored the news because it, it, for different reasons and you, you just want your baseball fix uh, and you're wondering, well, why in the heck would you close everything down? Like, I, you know, if it only if it's you hear that refrain, it's it's like the flu, it's like a cold, it's just a, a little bit worse or, or whatnot. You know, what's the big deal for the, the population if, if you're not at risk, you know, then go. If you are at risk, then stay home. What are you, what are you canceling all these games for? But it's about just the, the pragmatism of slowing it down. You're not going to get rid of it. You're not going to stop the virus and it's going to be gone. And phew, that was a close call. It's about slowing it down because when you have a flu season, you have uh, months and it's spread out over months and you have vaccines with, with different uh, efficiency and and you're able to stagger it a little bit, this is like a worse flu, just really compacted, extremely contagious. There aren't a lot of natural immunities built up, not a lot of, uh, there's, there's no vaccines to help slow it. So if you have everything just, bah, all at once, it's gonna overload the healthcare system. And that's the real risk. That's what's happening in Italy right now. So when you have players who are spitting and smacking butts and, and they're talking and they're, they're handing towels to clubbies and clubbies are going out and they're uh, meeting with their elderly relatives, stuff like that. I mean, that the fans, everyone's in a close quarters. You've got public transportation to get to these places. It's it's all, you got to just stop it, slow it down. If we're being too overprotective, that's probably better than being, you know, just, just to, totally oblivious. So that's what's going on. I, I just feel the need to sort of blurt that out right now because it, it you're wondering, how does this affect baseball?
1: Yeah, yeah, and you know, what when when they first, uh, you know, decided they weren't gonna let reporters in the clubhouse, I was ticked off. I, I mean, I, I vented and, uh, you know, I, I was mad in the moment because I thought, well, what does it really matter to have six extra people in a clubhouse space where 200 people traffic through it every day? Um, but but then you realize that, uh, you know, not only <laughs> we've got that going on, and then you've got Major League Baseball asking people to sit shoulder to shoulder to watch games that don't even count, right? right. So, so you know, it, it's, it was just obvious where this was going to go. And, and, you know, everybody, I think, has to know people or love people in their lives who would fall into a vulnerable category. You know, I, sure. I, I think I mentioned it last time. My dad turned 81 uh, last week. He's beaten lung cancer. He's got one and a half lung. You know, it's, um, you know, not like he's going out riding the subway, touching a whole bunch of, uh, you know, uh, Items have been touched by people. He's, he's pr- pretty much at home most of the time. But the more this thing gets widespread, the more it could touch someone like him who would be very vulnerable. And, and just think of those people in your lives. And the more widespread this is, the more likely it is that they'll come in contact with those people. And, I mean, we're talking about exponential numbers of lives that could be saved. You know, over the globe, we're talking millions of lives that could be saved. Um, and, and honestly, it's, it's, it's quite inspiring, I think, to see people getting together and doing the right thing. Um, you know, to, to anticipate the effects of the effects of the effects of a decision that you might make to, to play a game or not play a game. And, and it shows social responsibility. If there's anything that shows people banding together, it's making decisions for the greater good. And I, you know what, given all we've been through in the last uh, uh, however many years,
0: I, that's, that's actually kind of encouraging. Absolutely. I mean, we all know that sports is pointless. We, we get that as as far as in the greater scheme of things, uh, y- you know, not to get nihilistic, but you know that sports is, is sports and it's something to take your mind off what's not sports. There just comes a time where that's not enough. And you like sports isn't so important that you need to just say, oh, we're going to go ahead with sports. It helps keep our mind off it. Like, no, you've got at some point there's there's a kill switch where it's like, Okay, we need to figure everything out and that I just my head reels at the the economic implications because the Giants, you know, obviously they are they've already canceled an exhibition game at Oracle Park and that's going to affect you know I'm not so worried about Charles Johnson and all the the members of San Francisco Baseball Club LLC. I'm worried about the people who are taking the the parking money who are working concessions, who are uh, the vendors these are the people you have to worry about, but it's it's everywhere it is it's just remarkable. It's the people at the movie theaters, the people in the restaurants. it's the owners of the restaurants. it's you can just keep going and cascading of everything that's going to be affected. And the last thing you need to do is worry about, well, how does this affect my sports ball team?
1: Yeah, you know how many people are going to lose their jobs because economic opportunities are drying up, and how many of those people are going to lose their health insurance at a time, at a time like now? You know, um, it's you can just see the cascading effects, and uh, um, you know, I, I, I do. I am a little bit heartened that uh, there seems to be uh, a responsible sort of. Um, call to to action even with our company we were told hey don't co- you you are not going to work from the office we're working at home we're here yep. to support you you know it's but 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 that's our privilege to do that i mean yes. if you're in, in a white collar worker in silicon valley you can telecommute if you're someone who cleans toilets for a living if you're someone who cleans hotel rooms for a living if you're someone who lives in close quarters with other people who are working three jobs to make ends meet that's not a privilege that you have and and, and that's the the people I really worry about, because you have multi-generational families living together when you know you're in a, a position without so much socioeconomic privilege, and, and these are the people that have to keep working and going out there and driving Ubers and
0: lifts with people coughing in the back seat and stuff. So, so that's what I really worry about. Absolutely, and I I know people who work in the uh, hospitality industry, specific uh, specifically the the restaurant industry, and if you're paycheck to paycheck and you're working in a restaurant you don't get paid sick leave. If you've got, you know, if you've got the grip, if you've got whatever it is, just nasty stuff, you gotta make a decision. Can I afford rent if I take the day off and don't get my wages? Which is unconscionable in a hundred different ways. Uh, But it's a reality right now. And so that's where the effects are gonna be seen the most is the people who just flat out can't cannot afford to take a day a day off with no pay and that i think would have been the case in a ballpark where you've got people who just I I need to do this, and a lot of times the effects of the virus aren't going to be completely flattening. So you think, okay, I'll just push through. I know in my personal work history, I've pushed through with colds. I've gone to the big meeting with a, a case of the sniffles or a little bit of a fever and a cough, and I've I've you know taken whatever I need to take to get through that to get through that business meeting, you know, in my previous life. And and I did it. It's just, this isn't the kind of virus where you can do that and be responsible with everyone around you. But at the same time, who's, who are you responsible to? Is it to yourself, to making rent? I think that's what people's priorities are going to be.
1: Yeah, and the Giants, especially, you know, if if, if you spent some time at, at uh,
0: Oracle Park, you
1: know, a lot of their ushers and a lot of their support staff are people from the disabled community, and mm, the Giants right. have made a point um, to to try to. Reach out and make sure that a lot of those people have opportunities and have jobs, and uh, I'm sure they need those jobs. Um, I think of Chris, who's uh, the guy. Uh, he's in a wheelchair, um, and he's the guy who's is at the the press box elevators, uh, making sure that only credential people go through. I mean, what's he going to do? Uh, those those are the people I'm I'm sort of thinking about right now.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So. We have San Francisco and uh, uh, Mayor London Breed has banned all gatherings, uh, of a thousand people or larger, through, I I don't remember the exact date. Do you know the exact date off the top of your head? I,
1: I think it might have been through March because they were talking about how the A's opening series would be affected and the Bay Bridge games, but the Giants obviously don't open at home until a little later. But now you've got California coming out with its own directives, and, and that would include Dodger Stadium. So. Um, you know, it's now that MLB is suspended operations or we assume that's going to be announced officially as of this podcast recording. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's pretty clear that that opening day is not going to go off as we expect it to and, and. You know the, the team will probably continue to work out in Arizona and they'll play simulated games and uh, they probably won't uh, play any exhibition games, uh, obviously. Um, and they'll just try to keep in shape and stay ready for whenever uh, whenever they decide that we've got the green light to resume. But, I mean, who knows when that's going to be? There's just it's right. almost no use even speculating on it, whether, it, oh, it could be in, in at the end of uh, the middle of April or it could be at the All-Star break. We don't know. We just don't know. This thing is moving so fast. Information's changing all the time. We just have to make sure that uh, if, if you're the decision makers, you just have to do the right and responsible thing in in each moment, and that then that can change from moment to moment. So, you know, for now, all we know is we're we're not going to have baseball to uh, to sort of help us, uh, uh, you know, get through these times. But hey, there's always Netflix and video games,
0: I guess. <laughs> right right yeah I, I saw someone saying online that twitch is gonna have like this huge boom because it's gonna be all esports all the time i yeah i mean that that's just how it it sort of has to be where it, i was sort of formulating a question in my head like so what do you think it's gonna be and it, it I, god that's just an irresponsible way to speculate it really could be april it really could be the all-star break you know what i mean it, it, the, we have some precedent where in 1995 was a, a season that was uh, had fewer games because of the strike the year before i this could be just an all-time different sort of season an outlier of a season with games played with the records and the the championships and the league leaders i mean it all seems very unimportant right now but i Pretty sure that's where we're heading. I I don't see this resolving quickly, and it's just going to be. Uh, I don't know. Do, do you have? I guess for people listening, this is a lot of this stuff is is what you can get and beat your head against the wall uh, reading on Twitter. But do you have split second like flash in the brain? plans for what you might do if there's no baseball like have you thought about this because I've, I've thought about it a little bit in the context of a labor stoppage this is like that but way way more immediate and more serious do you have ideas or are you sort of like well let's do a wait and see sort of thing
1: yes um i think that you and i should start our own twitch channel and play an entire <laughs> season of mlb the show and then we can record podcasts talking about it
0: this is good this is good i am uh I, I wrote today in my article about the 26man roster that I don't have any other skills but I guess I could play video games that that's a skill that I have
1: I I'll tell you what if we ever get down to playing 1994 Sega Genesis NHL hockey I will destroy you and I I do know the cheat codes to make Wayne Gretzky bleed I do
0: okay you know what see this is I played I played NHL 94 throughout my high school and early college years with all my friends so in one respect I'm, I'm well equipped for this challenge in another respect they all crushed me I mean they were I don't know what what they were doing but I just I I could only do one-timers like I could only I if I needed my my wing going up on the right or left side and then I could do a one-timer they were the ones who could just stop in front of the goal and do wiggle 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 and then the puck was past me so I I would be at a disadvantage I believe
1: Yeah, we had one guy, his name's Jeff Goldman, a good friend of mine, and he was just unbelievable at that game. And he had to be the Hartford Whalers because they sucked. And they had like Terry Yake moving in like total slow motion. You know, you, you, the players that you had, if you were the Blackhawks or the Vancouver Canucks were like four times as fast. And uh, and he would still somehow beat us every single time with the oh, crappy, with Terry Yake and the crappy uh, Hartford Whalers. And it just wasn't fair. He was, uh, he was just, he was
0: the Michael Jordan. And we were all living in a, uh, I guess, a Samboui world. That is wild. Now, I remember like the first couple of times I tried to play, I was just like, I'll be the Sharks, local pride. And then <laughs> the Sharks are so bad. <laughs> Pat Falloon, go faster, Pat Falloon My goodness. And so I was actually a little disappointed when like Jarmir Jagar retired because I knew him. Hey, like that's one of the guys. I know that guy. And like Jeremy Roenick, I'm trying to think of who else was there that just stuck around for decades, almost in a yeah. Bartolo Cologne kind of way. And I would hear their name and just giggle. Like, I yeah, I know that hockey guy. I don't know any other hockey guys. I know I know Jagar. Yep, yep. Oh, he had the great
1: hair too. Uh, yeah, he was. Uh, he he had the the death metal uh, hair when it was uh, when it was going at full uh, full flow. Yeah, that was about the best athlete hair you could possibly have.
0: Better than Brandon Crawford's, I would even say. I wouldn't go death metal hair. I would say like Getty Lee in 1985 <laughs> hair, like like Geddy Lee when when Rush was recording uh, Hold Your Fire and stuff. He had this weird puff mullet, and yeah impressive hair impressive hair see we can we can take our minds off of serious stuff like this people I,
1: born in like 1992 have no freaking idea what we're talking
0: about no but you know what that's okay we're we're covering the right sport for that I mean you know really how many people born after 1992 are there uh, listening to I'm teasing if you uh, we have a vast vast demographic we have everyone under the Sun so the holding pattern here it, how well prepared are the Giants for For this, are they are they going to be taking direction from local authorities? Are they waiting to see what the leagues hands down? I I would anticipate that a lot of these decisions are specifically out of the hands of the San Francisco Giants.
1: Oh, I agree. I think they're going to all take their direction from MLB. And, uh, you know, it's going to be up to players to sort of come up with their own protocols. And I'm sure the training staff and the medical staff will be uh, in close concert with them so they can just do what they can do to stay ready. And really, I mean, as disorienting as this is for all of us, I think it's got to be especially disorienting for baseball players because if you've ever spent any time in a major league clubhouse or talking to players, a lot of times, I kid you not, they don't know what time the game is the next day or who they're playing. <laughs> I mean, they are so focused on what's in front of them. And you have to be, you have to have that mindset when you're getting ready to play and then you're playing 162 games. So for them to kind of have the bottom drop out from everything they expected to do and locking themselves into the schedule, it's got to be really disorienting. And uh, and now they're going to have to, all you know think long and hard about you know okay what can we do what decisions can we make to a you know make sure that we can be a part of the solution not part of the problem when it comes to reducing the spread of this virus Uh, and then b what can we do to stay ready Uh, and what what do we have to do um, to you know keep our pitch counts up or keep our arms strong or or, uh, you know all the things you do in spring training well now it's almost like spring training purgatory i guess and uh, so I, I, they'll all figure it out together, and I'm sure that uh, in terms of what the teams do and how the teams react, um, some situations are different in that there are you know teams that are in hot zones and teams that are not in current hot zones. But I think we all know that that can change in an instant. I mean. You know, in Florida, this hasn't been a big deal, but they just found someone on a JetBlue flight yesterday who was literally diagnosed with coronavirus and got the call when he was on a JetBlue plane uh, from New York to Palm, Palm Beach or, or wherever. So, um, yeah, you know, it's 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 just hard to imagine that, oh, we're just going to play the games in the spring training in Arizona. No,
0: there's no safe space uh, right now. That's a good point about the players being so hyper-focused. And we we take that for granted. We we know the players are invested in the game and it's the career and their livelihoods. I mean, uh, we all take our own careers very seriously, but to the, the extent that a player can have tunnel vision where it's baseball, baseball, baseball. Uh, for example, Jay Happ came in and, and the anecdote was, is, is when he gets to the clubhouse, it, it's like, wow, the, the what are you talking about? The basketball season has been suspended. Like he, he didn't register it until he, uh, later that morning, you know, the next morning he goes in and he gets the news secondhand. So not everyone's plugged in. I remember talking to a baseball player who it was on the left side of the political spectrum. I had this, this, this dumb idea that I was going to sort of ask these players on the left side of the political spectrum, uh, you know, is it weird to be in a clubhouse? Is it normal? Is it business as usual? And his response is like, no, 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 you're chasing up the wrong tree. Most people don't really think about it. They align with, you know, whatever the demographics are, and they don't think too much about it because they're brain is broken in a baseball way and it's it's there's no more meaning to it than that usually and it's just baseball players are gonna baseball and everything else takes second place so when you get a situation like this where baseball is most definitely not the first priority it's it got to be just a wild, wild transition for them, especially when you've been building up to this for months and months and, and working hard to, to get yourself in the shape you need to be to compete at a, a baseball level in 2020.
1: Yeah. And you know what? By the time that, that uh, this is out there and, and folks are listening to it, there'll be probably a lot more comments from players that are out there. But as, as we record, um, Jason Kipnis, here's an example. He just uh, uh, tweeted four minutes ago, uh, early, here are some early questions from players. Do we go home now? Do we stay in train? How and when do we start back up? Do we have another two-week spring and then start where the schedule picks up? Do we still get paid? Uh, the answer to that one would be no, by the way. Um, so, you know, this is wild. That's his comment. And that's those are the early questions that he has, and and uh, I'm sure that, uh, that all players are having right now.
0: Yeah, and, and one thing I saw is that most uh, contracts have a provision in it, a force majeure. I mean, come on, I'm not a lawyer. I don't know exactly what this means, but it's basically that if extraordinary circumstances or an act of god happens that everything could be suspended and and the owners aren't necessarily on for for the payroll uh that would seem to apply here and i as someone who's very pro-labor and someone who you know generally takes the side of the uh, the players versus the owners in that that uh, eternal battle I'm not as worried about the players. I mean, I'm definitely worried about the players who this is a minor leaguers' first chance to make more than, you know, $5,000 a month or whatever in AAA. Like, this is a player's first chance to crack that major league minimum. Those those players I'm concerned about for sure, but mostly the people who are around the teams, the players or the people who are uh, not making millions of dollars, the the paycheck-to-paycheck People who make the sport, make the industry, hum. That would be my primary concern, and I would really hope that this isn't just going to get lost in the shuffle. That there is some sort of plan. I mean, I know that Mark Cuban said, you know, we're going to try and work something out for the the hourly workers, the concession workers, all that stuff. Uh, I would like to think that baseball, they sure enjoy kicking themselves in the groin over and over and over again when it comes to public relations. But I would think with a, a industry that has printed money ever since the advance of major league baseball advanced media they they should have some sort of nest egg for the people it can't it can't possibly be that much to take care of these people am i am i being too i don't know too much of a softy no i i i kind of agree with you i think that if they haven't done a good job you know setting
1: aside the the rainy day money which the giants actually did call it a rainy day fund a few years ago if you remember um, you know, then that's on them. And, and it's the union's job, I think, to, uh, make sure that they have, uh, policies that will help to assist, you know, some of their more vulnerable members or people who don't have much service time or, or who are, you know, really going to be hitting, hitting this financially, um, harder than, you know, uh, the, the Buster Posey's and Christian Yeliches of the world. But, um, yeah, you know, it's, it's, It would be a really bad look, I think, for the union if they make demands about being paid through this. I, I have to think that would be almost suicidal for them, for them to do that. And, you know, you have to be vigilant. You have to make sure that the league is not seeking to be opportunistic and take advantage. I mean, that's the way we felt as media members when we were banned from the clubhouse. We thought, okay, are you guys just being, you know, opportunistic here uh, and, and and punishing us and, and getting what you've really wanted all along, which was to get us out of the clubhouse. You know, there's, the, there's that skepticism, I think. And, and, and if you're, um, you know, I, I think that's always going to be baked into the process when you've got a giant, powerful labor union and you've got a giant, powerful corporate entity. But, um, yeah, I think we all just kind of have to recognize what's going on here. And if the team's not going to be able to make money um, uh, off the players playing, then uh, it's pretty obvious that the players shouldn't expect to be compensated for that.
0: Right. I, I would be all for the Players Association to, to say, hey, uh at the the very lowest level uh the minor leaguers and such let's let's try and take care of them uh maybe the the players you know the max scherzers of the world let's not worry quite as much about them uh, that would be an okay PR decision to just make some sort of distinction between the the players at the bottom of the period and the players at the top because baseball is sort of one giant Ponzi scheme when you look at it you've got a lot of players who are trying to who are spending their 20s and early 30s trying to make it to the top of that pyramid who never will uh, so focusing on that bottom of the pyramid I think would be a noble goal rather than just a, a, a flat everyone needs to get paid we don't care about you that would be certainly Certainly, the optics that aren't going to fly right now. I don't think.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's all kind. You look at every every um, sort of, I guess, tentacle of baseball is affected by this. You think of scouts who spend all that time on the road. You think of uh, you know all the leagues that are shutting down the college leagues or they're canceling spring sports entirely. You know, if if you're uh, um, if if you're Michael Holmes, the Giants' amateur scouting director, you know you got to put a draft board together. Now you're not going to be able to watch. Uh, dispatch scout or wa- scouts or watch a lot of these players play. I mean, it's it's really providing a lot of logistical challenges uh, in a lot of ways within this industry that you don't think of right away. What about all the international players who are here? You know, what, what do they do? Do they go home? And if they go home, can they come back? Um, yeah, I mean, there's just a, there's a lot of questions that a lot of people have, uh, and the impacts are going to be you know, wide ranging and felt in different and unexpected ways by a lot of different people, I think. But um, You know, it's it's uh, and, and I think right now everyone's kind of in a holding pattern.
0: It is. It's going to be interesting because baseball is so hyper technical and scientific as to how to get players ready for the season. The interruption in routine is, I mean, it's obviously not the important thing. It's just—it's going to be fascinating to see how do you keep players ready for an extra two months? How do you fold them back in or two, three, I don't know, however many months? How do you fold them back in? What's the way to go about this? You've got to worry about the real world and you've got to worry about what's going on in your own family, but you still, you're trying to project what's going to happen at some point in the distant future. I just don't know where you would even begin if you're in the Giants front office trying to get ready for a season, but trying to put it on in the right tier of importance, which is down a couple of rungs. Yeah. I just, I just don't know where you go from there. How about this? I think about a Tyler Beattie, who's
1: right now getting second opinions on whether to rehab a partially torn UCL or have Tommy John surgery. If there's not going to be baseball this year at all, or it not, it's going to be an abbreviated season... Does that push you in the direction of having Tommy John surgery, you know, sure. and, and thinking, well, hey, if it's going to be sort of a washout year for everybody, or it could be, you know, then, then it's kind of an obvious decision, right? I mean, that's just that's just like very, very micro, micro one little thing, but it's, you know, it's just kind of interesting how it's going to impact what people do.
0: Yeah, I was, my plan for opening day was I was going to start collecting 100 things, 100 reasons to watch the Giants. You know, it starts with Johnny Cueto's shimmy shake, Billy Hamilton getting on base, that sort of, that sort of stuff. And it was supposed to be an idea of, hey, this team might not be so hot, but there are still 100 things to look forward to and tune in. And that was like a week ago. That was not very long ago where I started collecting this list. And it just seems like from another planet right now uh i just this is something obviously we no one's ever dealt with and it's something that no one don't listen to anyone who thinks they know exactly how it's gonna go it's just everyone is taking it as it comes and waiting and seeing so this has been the uh, 51st episode of the bags and Brisby podcast Thanks everyone for listening and uh, everyone do best practices. Wash your hands. Thank you for listening. Thanks so much.